Hello and welcome to this week's Doxit podcast coming to you on Sunday the 21st of February 2021. My name's Fiona Stewart. And I'm Philip Nitschke. And together we're the co-authors of the Peaceful Pill Handbook series. Now this week's podcast we're focusing, focusing upon the February update to the Peaceful Pill Handbook which is about the USA lethal mixtures. And what are we talking about here Philip? This uh, new this chapter, it's a chapter that's been in the book for a while, but there's been changes going on, as there is in many end-of-life choices, uh, taking place all the time. So we've updated this chapter because of significant uh, alterations to what's known as the drug mixtures, which are a combination of drugs which are effectively lethal in a way to try and replace what has always been the premier end-of-life drug where there's euthanasia legislation in place, that's Nembutal, with something that is more readily available, and that's a mixture of readily available but prescription-controlled drugs. Because we're up to, I think, what, nine states now in the US where assisted dying is lawful. We've got Oregon, Washington, Vermont, Colorado, California, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, New Jersey, Maine and Montana has case law which does not prohibit assisted dying but it is yet to pass statute. So all of these, this is what almost half the population of America or something isn't it? It's a, it's a sizable amount of Americans who now have access to assisted dying laws. So we're talking here about medical model laws aren't we? Yes we are and I think you're right about half the population. As soon as California brought in its legislation that was a very, it's the most populous state in the US. And I that think was it in actually... 2016 along with, there seemed to be a spate. In 2016 there was Colorado, California and DC. Yeah, so certainly all the west coast of America and now a lot of other states. But yes, yeah, so a lot of people, a lot of Americans have access to what we would describe as medicalised legislation or euthanasia laws. And by medicalised it means that you have to be sick. You have to have that level of that sickness assessed by usually one or two doctors to demonstrate that you're sick enough to be eligible to get the help needed for an assisted death. And that's a medicalised law and it's working in all of those states. Now, some of these states were using Nembutel until it essentially became priced out of the reach of the ordinary person. And this is a this was an initiative by the drug companies. And I should say, it didn't this didn't just happen in the US. It's also happened in Canada in regard to Seconal, that drug companies get hold of the drugs, they get hold of the patents for them, and the price is explosive. But there's also another issue in regard to the lack of availability of Nembutel in the US, isn't there? There's a couple of things going on here. Nembutel uh, was used, as you said, but it was replaced effectively by Secanol. They're both barbiturates and they both work extremely well for assisted suicide. Secanol being a little bit cheaper than Nembutel, but the fact was that as they became available, or at least was as legislation became available, originally in the state of Oregon in 1998, there became a call for people to get access to these barbiturates and the companies supplying them, the drug company that supplied them, those providing access to them in America started to put the price up. So that became an issue because although you became effectively perhaps eligible to have an assisted death, you found that the cost of the drugs needed, that is either the Nembutal or Secanal, the other barbiturate, was prohibitive. On top of that, this other factor you're talking about is the fact that Nembutal was also at that stage gaining use and acceptance as an execution drug in America. And that upset and worried, understandably, the manufacturers of the drug in Europe who said they didn't want their Nembutal being used for lethal, for lethal injections of criminals, in other words, capital punishment. And so they started to impose 
bans on the sale of Nembutal from Europe into America, and that further restricted the availability to those who could prov- could access it from American sources. All in all, though, the price went up, and people found themselves so sick but eligible to get a help get help to die, and then unable to afford the drugs needed. And that seemed to be a double crisis. I mean, we we say in the update that you know the cost of Nembutal for a dose is something like twenty thousand US. I mean, that is out of the reach of the you know, ordinary Joe in the street. But, it, I mean, it's comparable to what the Swiss services charge for an assisted death and you don't have to get on a plane. Yes, I'm surprised. I mean, the, the irony, perhaps a couple of ironies there, you're right about the fact that if you go to Switzerland, it'll cost you 10,000 Swiss francs plus an airfare. To get Nembutal, you will be getting Nembutal if you go to Switzerland. The 20,000 American dollars, though, is a lot of money for a drug, which is a very cheap drug. I mean, Nembutal is a very cheap drug. The barbiturate costs very little to manufacture. In fact, the absolute cost of the 10 grams you need for a successful end to your life is only about, I think it's about $50 or something like that. So to have to pay out that much money to get the required drugs for a peaceful death is bizarre and clearly someone is profiteering. Yeah, I mean, all those times in the past when we've bought an Embutel in Mexico, I mean, I remember the cheapest was something like $8 for a 100ml bottle with 6 grams. Well, that's some of the irony now, because one of the supplies, one of the sources of Nembutel is the veterinary Nembutel that people do access from Mexico and several other countries in South America, because the drug is used by veterinarians, and they're not paying $20,000 a bottle when you go to have your dog put down at the vets. You get the cheaper veterinary supply of the drug. And the manufacturers seem to find no difficulty in providing the drug at much more reasonable costs when it's used for veterinary use than they ever found acceptable when it was to be used for humans. The irony of all this is, though, that you can use veterinary Nembutel very effectively to end your own life, and people do. OK, well, moving on, enough about the cost of Nembutel. You get, you get the picture as to why uh, certain teams of doctors, I guess, are experimenting around with alternatives to Nembutel. So combinations of drugs which are more accessible and cheaper, so there's no huge shock. Because, I mean, people who are dying under these laws, and we're taking California as our example today, I mean, these are people who are very sick. I mean, you can't just go along as a as a, a person in their, your advanced years and get help to die in California. You must be terminally ill and about to drop dead. Yeah, looking at those laws that came in along the west coast of America, Oregon, Washington State and California, you had to be very sick to be able to get access, to get lawful help. And when you couldn't afford the drugs, the combinations that were first, that first evolved in this climate from some innovative uh, pharmacologists and doctors working to try and make real choices available to people, motivated, I think, by the most uh, compassionate of reasons, came up with several suggestions. The first that was the first that was used and worked was what was known as the three-drug mix, which a combination that was by some put together as from the people on the west coast. It was a very interesting idea using chloral hydrate. One of the barbiturates, which is available still for humans, which is the anti-convulsant phenobarb, and morphine. They mixed that together, people drank it, and they died very effectively, but there were problems with it, the problem being that the chloral hydrate, which is a sedative along with the morphine, tended to burn the throat, and so effort was then addressed to try and work out how to deal with that, because it is your last drink, and the idea that you're going to have a burning throat just before you die didn't seem terribly appealing, 
but that combination of a barbiturate plus a sedative, morphine plus chloral hydrate, worked very effectively apart from the burning. So patients were actually administered the three-drug protocol? Yeah, quite a number received that in the earlier days, a few years back now, in the states of Washington, which had the earlier laws along with Oregon. Before changes were made... And it was improved as a way of removing the chloral hydrate and the four-drug mix evolved. And that made a little bit more sense. The four-drug mix consisted of drugs digoxin, diazepam, DDM, morphine, and another drug called propanolol, which is a beta blocker. So it became the DDMP mix. They have there with the digoxin and propanolol is what's known as a cardiac switch. And then you had two sedatives added into it, which were morphine and diazepam valium. So that was the four drug mix. And the, how how was the four drug protocol an improvement on the three drug protocol? It got rid of chloral hydrate, so there was no burning. So you could take that drug, uh, it was easier to swallow. And the time it took for people to die from after they had first ingested that mixture was shorter than it was with the original three drug mix so there was a benefit there were double benefits from the four drug mix it got rid of the burning and the time to death was quicker now can i just interrupt because we have had a chapter on chloral hydrate in the book for some years now now that chapter we've removed why did we have it in there you can take chloral hydrate as a standalone drug and die. And what you do also experience is that burning from the swallowing of the drug. As a single drug, it's less reliable. It tends to take longer to die. And I think that given that there are better options now using some of these strategies that are evolving by using mixtures, it just seemed a reasonable thing to do to remove that chapter. Because I would not be suggesting that people try to use chloral hydrate as a standalone drug. If people really want detail on it, it's available in older editions of the handbook, but I think we've moved on. Okay. Now, more recently, or in the last 12 months, we've come to the five-drug protocol. Yeah, well, I want to say a little bit more about the four-drug, oh, okay. because there was evolution of the four-drug mix. As I said, it started off originally with this idea of what's known as DDMP, which digoxin, diazepam, valium, morphine, and propranolol, the beta blocker, the first development that took place there was found that he actually got better results. And by better results, the numbers of people who had what seemed to be an unusually long time before they died, they used to call them outliers. There was a small percentage of people that took these drugs and didn't die within the normal required or what would be seen as reasonable two, two or so hours after the ingestion of the drugs. To rein in the, some of these outliers, it was found that if you separated out the digoxin, that's the cardiac drug, and take it 20 minutes or so before the other three of the four drug mix, you actually got better results. So then it became called the D-DMP mixture, which is digoxin, followed by a gap in time, followed by diazepam, valium, morphine, and propranolol. Though that became the next evolution of the, uh, the drugs. That worked very well. Because what you're saying there, it's not just the combination of drugs, it's how the drugs are taken. Absolutely. And then there was a further evolution when it was discovered that uh, to, to get further improvement, and by improvement I mean reeling in more of these very few outliers and shortening that time to death from when you take those drugs, the propranolol was abandoned and amitriptyline was brought in in its place. There are more... There are reasons why that was done, and I won't go into it. It's to do with the way the so-called cardiac switch component of that mixture works. What's a cardiac switch again? Well, that's something that actually stops your heart. So the idea was the four drugs, two of those drugs put you to sleep, the other two stopped your heart. So you had a cardiac switch, that's what stops your heart. 
And what they did in the next evolution of it was to change the propranolol, the beta blocker part of the codex, which to amitriptyline. And so now you had the combination D-DMA. And that was used for about two years, or a bit under two years, until this final evolution to the five drug mix, which is the one we've just updated the handbook about now, where an extra drug has been added on. The drug is back to the original phenobarb again, that barbiturate, which is available. And so you have D-D-M-A-P-H for phenobarb. You say that again? D, oh, I'll spell it out. D for the original digoxin, the cardiac drug, which is taken early. 20 minutes later, you take the diazepam mixed up with the morphine, mixed up with the amitriptyline, mixed up with the phenobarb. So you have D-D-M-A-P-H. It sounds a little complicated, but is it as complicated as it sounds? It's interesting that there's been so much effort put into it to try and refine and get better and better results and it's caused a bit of alarm in recent times the fact that some of this work has been done in a rather unregulated way over there in America. But I must say I'm very gratified with the results they've come up with. Look, the drugs are all available. When I say they're available, they're available provided someone can write you out a prescription. They're all prescription controlled drugs. Especially difficult ones to obtain if you want to do this yourself, that is do it a, a DIY use of the so-called five drug mix. The ones that are difficult to get, interestingly, are the uh, diazepam Valium is surprisingly difficult to get, even though it's such a universally used sedative. One of the earliest ones around. And it's non-lethal, isn't it? It's a non-lethal it, it, drug, it won't but kill it, you it, it, it is, overdose. tends to be restricted, and so you really do need a doctor's prescription. You can't easily buy it from these online pharmacies. The other one, which is difficult... You're right, that, hang on, you're right, that is an irony, because, I mean, Valium, everyone knows the word. Yeah. It's used in, you know, just about every film you ever watch, somebody's popping a Valium. Yes, you would and think... And yet it, it's still really restricted. You would think it would be very easy to get. You can get most drugs, or many of the drugs, from these online pharmacies without prescriptions. Uh, you just go onto the internet and you'll find them available. So a drug can... of abuse. Is that yeah. a drug of addiction? Yes, it's a drug of addiction, and that's why it's finding itself more. I was surprised at how restricted the drug is. Morphine is no surprise. That's a hard drug to get. We know that that's a drug of addiction. Well, it's a, that's the opiate. So Yes, so that's a difficult one. So those two drugs are the difficult ones of the five-drug mix, but the other three of that five-drug mix, that is digoxin, the cardiac drug, amitriptyline, that second part of the cardiac drug that's an antidepressant, an old antidepressant, and the phenobarb, all of those drugs, that's a, effectively, a, it's a barbiturate, but it's not considered one of the extremely lethal barbiturates, as I said, the, available the as an anticonvulsant. The, fen- the phenobarb or the amitriptyline? The phenobarb. Mm. But the whole three of those drugs can be bought on online pharmacies, and I've done that, and very easily. You just fill out and say you want to buy some amitriptyline, you want to buy some phenobarb, or you want to buy some uh, digoxin. And you don't need a script? No. And is what you get in the mail the real thing? As far as I can see, it is. There'd be no incentive of these companies that are selling online. This is not dark web stuff. And the cost? And the cost. They're not particularly expensive. So, no, you're getting the right drugs. When you have to go to the dark web, though, is to try and get these other two components. The morphine is a difficult one to get. But lots of people have MS Contin prescribed. Yeah, well, MS Is that the right type of morphine or the wrong type? we don't want MS Contin to be used. In this mixture, you want morphine. Now, MS Contin is morphine, but it's sustained release. It's uh, compounded in a way which means it slowly breaks down to release the morphine in a slow fashion. So are you saying that any... Any pill that is a morphine or an opiate pill that is slow release 
cannot it's it shouldn't form part of this process you can't use it well i think you could use it and it would probably work given you've got a cardiac switch there the question is you may not be quite as sedated as you'd hope to be when you actually when your actual heart stops because nobody wants to be awake while their heart stops look i would it depends if you there are plenty of morphine sources around that people do get prescribed for pain for cancer which are not sustained release you don't necessarily have to be getting one of the sustained release forms if you've got cancer you might get one of the acute forms of morphine morphine sulfate tablets or you get morphine or the liquid liquid morphine which people take for breakthrough pain so you could have it prescribed and that works fine in a in a drug mixture that you might put together yourself at home but if you have to buy it yourself, that is, if you haven't got any source of it being prescribed because you actually don't have cancer and a compliant doctor prepared to give it to you, that means going to the dark web, which presents its own problems. So there's been a hell of a lot of research going on about, and we've got to the five drug protocol, and you've been following this research quite closely um, as I've watched you over the, especially over the last 12 months. Is the five drug protocol as good as Nembutel if you're looking for a peaceful, reliable death? Well, a couple of comments to make at this point. There's actually been quite a lot of concern recently about the fact that this experimenting has been going on. Effectively, there's suggestions, at least, that those people who were doing it out of the finest of uh, motives to get the best combination drugs to replace the unavailable Nembutal were, in fact, experimenting on people. And I suppose we're lucky that the results have turned out well. We wouldn't have wanted any disasters as we've got to this better position but we do have a good combination now thanks to the work done by the doctors in the US and is it as good as Nembutal your question there well it's a whole lot cheaper than Nembutal and if you look at the results they're getting and we published some of these results in the handbook update when you actually look at the for surveys of over 100 people that have taken the five drug mix and looked at the time it's taken from when they've taken the drugs to when they've actually died and the other factor that they record is the time taken to when they lose consciousness or go to sleep effectively so there's two things you take your drugs you go to sleep and then you die but if you look at those times they've come right down you can get it they're getting a very large number of people now that fit well within the two hour limit so people take the drugs and the vast majority have their lives have ended within the two hour to our period and that's a very effective uh, drug and as, how soon before like after taking the drugs does sleep happen you can look up the graph there to find out exactly what it is but you're looking at a few minutes there before you lose uh, you lose consciousness and go to sleep uh, and then you'll die within that two hour period and that's very comparable with nembutal as so as, is it as good as nembutal as I guess you could say it's probably as good as Nebutel. Swings I, and roundabouts if it's cheap, it, yes. if it's reliable, if it's peaceful. Well, we, we, have an, we have the RPA test, and one of those of the RPA test is A for availability, and Nebutel is damn hard to get. So it wins hands out, hands down on availability. Now, this is a soup, these, these are supervised deaths, so the doctors yeah. are in the room with you. They don't have to be, and depends on the legislation in the particular state. They work well enough, though, that doctors don't have to be there, but they do get given the drugs, and they're in a drug form that you just take as drink. As I said, you take one drink first, which is the digoxin. You wait 20 minutes. And I should also add that you also have to have an anti-vomiting drug. It's five-drug mixture, along with the others, if you wanted a four or three drug. But those mixtures can be administered rectally, and they work very effectively that way, too. So there's... There's, there's, so and that case, removes the risk of vomiting, does take worrying away that, about vomiting. That, uh, yeah. that problem of vomiting. So there is an anti-emetic usually taken, then the, then the first of the five drug mix and then the four as a single drink at that point. Then you can follow that up with alcohol. People go to sleep very quickly and die soon thereafter. Is it as good as Nembutal? I think I'd have to say yes. 
Okay, I mean, because it, it is really interesting the way that because there are laws in these jurisdictions that doctors do have the ability to have a bit of leeway in the experimentation of drugs at work. I mean, this research could also equally be happening in Switzerland, couldn't it? Yes, it it could be. I think what you would find, though, is that if you wanted to do some sort of experimenting like that, saying, I wish to add an extra drug into my five-drug mix to make it even more effective, someone is going to say, well, you'll have to have your protocols looked at by some controlling ethics committee or something along those lines. So just setting out on doing, uh, embarking on a test of experiments on people would, will bring about death is probably going to be considered controversial under any circumstances. I'm just glad we've got to the point we've got it. I don't think it can be improved much better than what we've got now. I don't think they're going to be looking at a six drug mix, frankly. Uh, and unless something crops up out of left field, I think we're probably, they've probably pushed this idea of putting together a strong sedative and a cardiac switch out of simple obtainable drugs to its limit. I, interestingly, I was looking at the Hawaii war, uh, law this morning and I just typed in assisted dying in Hawaii. And you know what pops up first? Is that, is that fake news story that was out on Facebook that went viral about how the state of Hawaii purchased 50 assisted dying pods? So yeah. unless these states start turning their attention to Sarko and pods. Well, look, I wouldn't put it completely out of the question the idea of using sarco as a as a means to for a per for a drug a free death to have a assisted death it would be drug free and it works a treat so i wouldn't be totally surprised i'd be a bit surprised if the state of hawaii bought 50 50 sarcos and i should have uh, we should have realized straight away that that was fake news but the idea of the use yeah, of the order sarco, form hadn't quite reached us had it as we know, for example, on the other less less palatable side of this issue, I guess, is the question of capital punishment and executions. And we know that states like Oklahoma are looking very actively at the idea of using the idea of nitrogen as, as a means for providing execution as a way of executing, ending the life of convicted criminals. So but that is not something that you're prepared to devote any expertise to at all? I guess. No, I'm not prepared to devote any expertise for it, but there's been, I notice there's been inquiries being made by people involved in the uh, process of capital punishment in the US to knowing that progress has been made with the Sarko project. So that's a bit of an interesting and perhaps worrying sideline. <laughs> Okay, so to finish today, we wanted to say a few words about nitrite by way of addendum, because in recent months, this is very recent, really, and you could say in the last six months, nitrite has been making a show in the academic forensic journals on causes of death. And this week, there's been an, a further two articles published in the academic press. What are these articles saying, Philip? Well, one was at the end of last year, but the most recent one is actually in the last couple of weeks, which is in the uh, Journal of uh, Forensic Sciences, where we've got US researchers reporting a, a study series where they've found people using, effectively using nitrite. They seem almost surprised by this finding in the article that's been published. I don't, I perhaps if I'd perhaps kept their ear to the ground a little bit more and learned what was happening in Europe here, they would have seen that this trend is certainly spreading around the world where people are using nitrite for an effective 
end to their lives. The actual quote that came out of this article is, here's the quote, sodium nitrite could be considered the perfect homicidal agent. It looks and tastes like table salt, is cheap and easy to purchase. I don't know if they've tried purchasing it before they wrote their article because it's getting harder by the day to purchase as I suppose the authorities around the world are waking up to the fact that something is actually happening here. There is a new available kit on the block and it's nitrite and it works damn well. But I mean, it sounds like they're naturally concerned if they're calling it a homicidal agent instead of a suicidal yes, agent. Yes, I can't really see the homicidal agent. Are we doing arsenic comparison well, here? It's a bit hard to see how it would be a homicidal agent because a person isn't going to voluntarily drink a glass of salty water. You would know it's not particularly pleasant. I think they sh- I think they uh, just... They meant to say suicidal and they accidentally said well, homicidal. Well, I think they probably did. But what they're really saying is it's cheap and available and easy to drink. And that's the point that makes it such a useful end-of-life agent. And it's now attracting the attention of the authorities around the world. So this idea that it's readily available is changing by the by the day, and we're finding now that it's getting a much harder substance to obtain. And the question which we will be addressing in future podcasts, and I think we've already looked at it the first time, a bit like we just did with the mixtures then, is this the new Nembutal? Well, nitrate is also another contester for being the new Nembutal. Is there any, anything you'd like to add to that, Philip? Well, I would like to say, yes, the next snippet will involve looking at the way the use of nitrogen comes in many forms and the COVID disease has spawned a whole stack of new options by ways of people getting a peaceful death by making use of this very ubiquitous gas nitrogen. So come along to the snippet and listen to what's, uh, what's, on the, what's being shown in the research. Okay, so snippets are mini online workshops held on the Zoom platform. They are only available to exit members and subscribers to the Peaceful Pill Handbook. They are held at 2100, 9pm Greenwich Mean Time, GMT, on the first Wednesday evening of every month. That translates to 8am Sydney time on the Thursday and various times across the US. But it's the only time we could pick that has sort of semi-social global hour associated with it. The numbers are linked for each snippet. You can register on the exitinternational.net homepage. There is a small charge if you're a Peaceful Pill Handbook subscriber and not an exit member. So we do look forward to seeing you. Registration's open now. They close on the f- Monday the 1st of March, which is Monday week. And that's it for this week, folks. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now.